Welcome to Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. My name is Phil Strum, so happy you've joined me today. Fortunately, my guest is one of the best talkers in pro wrestling. You might have known him as Enzo Amore in his six-year run in WWE. He's now known as Real One, both for his music, and he also now appears in Major League Wrestling, MLW. Shares uh, 10 p.m. Eastern, uh, Tuesday nights on Reels. Real One has a very unique and tumultuous journey through pro wrestling, so I'm interested to hear from him. So here we go with my interview with Real One. So happy to have me today. Someone you might know under some different names like Enzo and Enzo Amore. He's now Real One. He's working with Major League Wrestling, which airs weekly on Reels. I can now ask something I've always wanted to ask, which is, how you doing? You know, yesterday was the best day of my life. Really? Yeah, Why you wouldn't believe what happened. You want to know what happened? Absolutely. Dude, I wake up and today is better than yesterday. Unbelievable. Can't even believe it. Outstanding. Outstanding. So let's let's start with what you're working on right now. Uh, MLW is on weekly TV, good station with some good reach on reels. What do you like being what do you like about being in MLW? What do you think of this move uh, for the group and how, and how you're fitting in there? Uh, for one, uh, you asked me what I got going on. I have a brand new song that just dropped called Kenny. Uh, basically, you know, Kenny from South Park, uh, implying implying. I got people who went down to die around me in the hood like Kenny, but obviously not in the hood, you know, but in the hood. Anyway, uh, check out Kenny by Real One, uh, brand new music that just came out. And working with Major League Wrestling has been a breath of fresh air, especially for someone like myself who had, uh, you know, uh, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd done it at all. Uh, at a level where, you know, we were, we were working 300 days a year and there was a flight every week. And uh, I love the schedule that I, I, I maintain with major league wrestling, the opportunity to see the fans. And we've been doing a lot of work in the Northeast as well. And that market is phenomenal when it comes to pro wrestling. And uh, I see a lot of the same, the same faces um, in the crowd and a lot of shows in the WWE that I see in major league wrestling. And it, it's just an incredible opportunity these days in pro wrestling. Um, the landscape has changed immensely and there's opportunity all across the board with new television shows like major league wrestling underground, uh, 10 PM Eastern time on Tuesday nights on the reels channel, R E E L Z reels channel. They show live PD cops, music documentaries. Uh, it's actually a great channel and I had no idea what it was about to do for me uh, in the wrestling market. But I can be honest with you, um, you know, I don't speak to promoters. Um, I get, I have a booking agent, a guy who, who books me, uh, you know, whenever I want to work, I, I can, I, I can get out there, sign autographs, wrestle, uh, you know, I'm not binded to major league wrestling per se, uh, being the only opportunity to go to work. Whereas in the WWE, you can't go wrestle in Mexico. You can't go wrestle in CML and New Japan. You can't go wrestle in any other promotion. So Major League Wrestling has provided me an opportunity. And now my phone is ringing off the hook. Uh, Apparently, my my promoter called me last week and said, whatever's going on with Major League Wrestling is, is, is voting extremely well for you. The opportunity there is uh, it's real. So I know that it's real and a uh, real one put the real and reels network dog. So I'm, I'm happy to be there um, and happy to have this schedule and working with the likes of Microman, that little piece of crap. Microman is a big idiot. I'll tell you that right now. He's the smallest wrestler in the world. And I've had a blood feud rivalry going with him 
now for a, for a few months in MLW. And a lot of those episodes are going to be airing on TV in the coming weeks. So I hope you tune into Reel's channel. If you want to see some real entertainment, watch uh, Real One versus Microman. That's, that's, that's a barn burner. It's really great to you know to see you back on on, on weekly TV with MLW and and stuff too. How how do you feel like you have changed as a performer since uh, you know since the WWE days to now? I, I've seen you several times on uh, Northeast Wrestling and kind of seen some very different matches that you've had there. So what 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 is, what's your kind of assessment of the way that you've grown in that time? Um, I mean, when you speak to that growth, you can it, it's it's on display in Major League Wrestling. If you watch the first, uh, you know, six, seven months in Major League Wrestling, I didn't even pick up a microphone. So um, when I busted through the door, I wanted to have some matches with some credible opponents. Uh, I stacked some wins under my belt. I had a lot of fun. And when it came to the independent wrestling scene, when I was in the WWE, I had never done the indies. I got hired uh, based off a. Of, a workout video where I was talking smack on YouTube that went viral and I never wrestled before in my life. So to go from basically YouTube to the WWE um, and, and college football. So I was the NIL program before there was an NIL program and I was Logan Paul before Logan Paul was Logan Paul. I got, I got in the WWE off YouTube, a viral video and playing college football. So, um, Man, uh, you know, the roads to, to in pro wrestling are so different, right? I've had incredible opportunities to work with some of the greatest talent in the world and just to hear their stories. And everybody's story is different. Mine is very unique. I never wrestled before I got hired by the WWE. And my first day on the job, uh, in my first match in NXT, John Cena was backstage. He saw me. He asked me to go to the ring with him. I lied to him and told him that Big Cass was my tag team partner when his name was Colin Cassidy and I called him Big Cass. So that just happened organically and the fans bit into it, right? But I know people like the Hardy Boys who left their home at 14 and 15 and started wrestling on the independent circuit. I know people that paid to wrestling school and didn't get paid to wrestle five years into the business. I was extremely lucky on the, on the, on the journey I've been on. And now I find uh, uh, luck landing in my lap again. Um, it's crazy to be here with Major League Wrestling on the cusp of something great. I've been there before with NXT when it was Florida Championship Wrestling, and we couldn't draw a house. We couldn't get any fans to the shows, and we had to have John Cena there in the dark segment after the show to keep you there. And that's where I made a name for myself was with John Cena in the dark segment. And, you know, so many people get, get you know, into wrestling in different ways. I hit the indies after the WWE, complete reversal. And it's been such an eye-opening experience, and it's been such a gratifying one at that, and at times very humbling. Uh, you know, the places, you know, sometimes you go to a small venue or an armory or in high school, and the promoter might have enough money to pay you a few grand, but the guys who are on that card, some of them are making 10 bucks. So whereas in the WWE, you're on a card, with eight matches and everybody's making good money. Whereas on the independent level, I might make more money than I made for Monday Night Raw working at the local armory, but I definitely, uh, you know, understand the value of TV time. And that's what MLW has brought to me again, the opportunity to be on TV. And people are um, excited about the opportunity at Major League Wrestling. I've been blessed to be a part of it, dude. Like, I go there, I pretty much... 
you know, when I'm on a microphone, that's all me. They let me rock. And uh, I've been having a field day with, with the storyline, the micro man. And, uh, you know, it's, it's sheer entertainment. You get that Lucha Libre style. You get these Japanese wrestlers that come in that work a strong style. And you get the entertainment when you see micro man and Enzo out there. It's, it's a real one, whatever you want to call me, dude. Listen, just don't call me late for dinner. All right. <laughs> I think it's interesting that you brought up the thing about being NIL before the NIL, because I was actually amazingly enough thinking of that while I was prepping for this with you, because you had such an unconventional way in um, it's it's just for me. You find you know you don't just find the talent in wrestling on the independent scene. You need to look in all places for what's you know wrestling is best when it's lots of different types and lots of different shapes and sizes and personalities. And and you're certainly an outsized one in terms of in terms of the talking. So I think I I don't think there's any one way in as much as people want to like you know, kind of say, you know, you got to work independence, you got to pay your dues and this and that. Did we just lose you? No, I'm right here. Oh, you got there. me? Yep. <laughs> Sorry. But, uh, you know, how, how, how has that time uh, shaped you working some of these? Because I, I saw you work well, filming in Poughkeepsie. You, me, you asked me uh, how I think I've grown as a wrestler since I left the WWE, but I think the obvious uh, you know, to state the obvious is that I've grown as a man. Uh, you know, I by by a victim of circumstance. Um, you know, being out here on my own, um, having to navigate uncharted waters, do the independence for the first time in my life, uh, make music for the first time in my life, push that envelope, get that out there, and uh, you know, right now I'm here at my music studio. Um, I own a beautiful music studio in New Jersey. Uh, and, you know, if it wasn't for pro wrestling, I wouldn't be able to afford these great opportunities and these great things. So the opportunity to work in the WWE is one that I recommend to any pro wrestler that wants to be in this business to do a WrestleMania or to win a WWE title. Check those things off the bucket list. Um, and then, you know, I was open to opportunity after pro wrestling while I was in pro wrestling. So on the, on the end of my career in the WWE, I was so hurt, uh, physically banged up, mentally exhausted. Uh, I was going to take a break one way or another, no, no question. So I had one more WrestleMania under my contract, and I planned on you know um, seeing what options were out there after that. And God put me in this position where you know um, I had an opportunity of a lifetime after I got out of the WWE to step into music and make a music video with my little brother that launched him into a stratosphere that's unbelievable. He's one of the biggest music video makers in the world. And we got to make a song called Grace with my grandmother and make a music video for it. And she's no longer with us. And if I was in the WWE, neither one of those things would have happened. So you got to look at life's blessings and you got to understand uh, that when you're, when you're out here, uh, fending for yourself, that comfortability that was once had is gone. Uh, you know, that you, you used to have somebody do your schedule, pay for your flight, buy your flight, tell you where the building is going to be, wipe your ass, feed, your, feed you food. So it was just, you know, you're in this Fortune 500 company. Now you're a real, real cowboy. This is the Wild West. And you got to navigate, you know, shark infested waters and figure out, you know, um, how to fend for yourself in these streets and make money. And I've had opportunities outside of pro wrestling that have blessed me 
and my family um, and, and opportunities in business. So I'm not even speaking about pro wrestling. How do you grow as a human? You have to endure any person that goes through anything. It can have been a rocket ride for me, man. I don't want that life. I think that the highs and the lows and the valleys are what shape you as a human. And that to go through what I went through, to persevere, to press on, I've inspired a lot of people. And I just try to tell myself that from time to time when I meet people, you know, there's that you might go to a room and do a meet and greet and only 10 people want to come meet you. Right. But one of those people is it, it doesn't know how to speak and because they're so enthralled they're, they're so over the moon with meeting you and another one of those people is a child and you're their hero and another one of those people was thinking about killing themselves that day and you somehow showed up in their life and they viewed that as a sign from god and these things happen to me all the time and it's like i can go meet a hundred people or i can go to a room go to the room where you're wanted go to the place where people appreciate you and try to appreciate others and, and be kind and uh you know, I've, I've, I've definitely, you know, like any other human lived and learned. So by nature of, of, of life, I've grown five years since I've been in the WWE. So you grow as a human, you grow as a man. And one of the things that you used to value, maybe you don't value as much anymore. I remember being a kid and wanting to buy sneakers and wanting to buy Jordans so bad. And then I got to the WWE and I started investing in sneakers because I knew that they held value and I could resell them. And if I wore them on my person, I could maybe even sell them as ring gear. And I just saw it as an opportunity. But by the time I got to the point where I got my own Jordan made for me by Jordan, and I had sneakers coming to my house every single week, because when you're rich and when you're famous, people want to give you stuff. Not when you're broke, when you want those things so bad and you can't afford them. But when you make it, everybody gives them to you, right? Yeah. It's kind of ass backwards. But when that happens, you find yourself not giving a f about those things that you once cared about. I didn't care about the Gucci outfits that I owned. I didn't care about the sneakers on my feet. I didn't care about the clothes I was wearing. At a certain point in my life, I realized no matter what I'm wearing, no matter who, who says they own the words, I am Enzo Amore. And when somebody sees me in the street, they don't give a f what you're wearing. They're just happy to meet Enzo Amore if they're a fan, right? Right. So you can just kind of provide yourself with so much perspective as you grow as a human being. And you just learn, uh, you know, to devalue the things that, that, that don't make, you know, that, 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 that impulse to buy or that impulse to, uh, you know, what you, what you want most in a moment might deter you from what you really want in the big picture. What what is the uh, I was going to ask you about your music before, too. Uh, you, it, you you were ahead of me on it. So uh, what, what's that process been like creatively for you? Uh, well, I guess I'm a lunatic. Uh, you know, any artist is uh, I believe it was Von Gogh cut off his ear, right? Right. Maybe I'm wrong. Picasso, whatever. Uh, you know, I, I, I am a mad, mad writer. And that's what I am. And uh, I was just speaking to a young kid um, about wrestling just just today. He asked he asked me a question, and I told him to study Jim Carrey. I told him to study Charlie Chaplin. If you can make people laugh and make people pay attention without saying a word, you're in stadiums a lot of times without microphones. How can you get their attention and keep it and make them? Um, pay attention to you. Your only job is to make them remember you as a wrestler. And so 
as a writer, I inspired myself to to write around the clock because the WWE put me on salary and I always felt like I was working because when I was once on salary at Hooters, I was managing a Hooters before I was in the WWE out of college and there was only three managers. And if one of you called out, the other one had to cover your shift and therefore you didn't have a day off that week and you were on salary. So at any moment they could call you and you'd have to go handle. And if you're managing a restaurant, when it hits the fan, who's got to go handle it? Well, I was on salary in the WWE. So I put my eggs in a different basket than the pro wrestlers. You're only allowed how much time in a ring? How often are you in a ring? Well, how often are you in your car or at home or in front of a mirror? Can you practice on this craft to make yourself great, stick out, and uh, be different? And that was what I would say to any wrestler. I aspired as a writer to push myself to write around the clock, one-liners, zingers, promo material. If a new wrestler came onto my NXT roster, I had like 10 jokes written for that wrestler ready to go. And that all comes to a head and comes to fruition when you find yourself with a microphone on television in the main event of Monday Night Raw and you have to pull 10 minutes of time and you roast every single cruiserweight on the fly. But that wasn't really on the fly as much as it was Preparation and opportunity, that's what luck is, right? When preparation meets opportunity. Right. I didn't get lucky. Luck isn't real. I prepared myself for that moment. So if you're a wrestler and you're worried about your drop kick, you're in the wrong f-ing game. Were there elements of the, the trash talker well, in you? you know, and then again, that's easy for me to say. I throw a beautiful f-ing drop kick. With um, obviously your gift of talking and your gift of rap is pretty much unlike anybody in wrestling history. There's been some some great ones, but there are elements of that trash talker in your everyday life before. Man, I just wanted to be better than everyone that ever lived at that one thing, and I did it. Yeah, I felt like, and when it ended, I didn't expect it to end. So when it ends, now here comes retrospect. Now you can look back on what you've done. And rather than be mad that it's over, I was happy that it happened. And so I ultimately thought about myself and and, and look, at, we're in a game of comparison. Um, everything is subjective and objective. Well, how do you see things? And I never wanted to leave any room for interpretation uh, subjectively on what it is that I was achieving. And I didn't. All you have to do is go back and watch the tape. So if you hear the crowd, when we come through the curtain and when we have the microphones in our hands, did we do that better than anyone in the world in those, in those, in those arenas at that time? Yep. Yep. So to become the best in the world at one thing, that is unbelievable. What a crowning achievement at a time in my life that I don't even think about ever because you're always thinking about the next thing and you're thinking about the next thing and what are you really dwelling because dwelling just dwell as hell so i try not to dwell um but you know i think that i drove myself because i was under the roof of the performance center and i looked around and i said somewhere in the midst of this group of people someone has to be john cena the rock Dwayne Johnson, someone has to be Stone Cold Steve Austin. And if it doesn't happen, then this company goes under. The lifeblood of this company is the ring and the wrestlers in it. Okay, if I know that, 
Look around you. Why are they investing so much money in the talent? They just created a performance center, Eric, me. I'm speaking to myself. And you built the walls of you painted the walls and you built the rings and you and you and you put the weight room together and now they got doctors and athletic trainers. This isn't Florida Championship Wrestling. Why are they investing in their talent so much? Because without talent, the lifeblood of the company, the universe, the thing that it revolves around, the sun, the WWE universe, the sun of that universe is the wrestlers. And without stars, you can't you can, you can't have a company. So they're investing in creating stars, right? You're one of the stars they're investing in creating, okay? How hard are you willing to work on that star, that that character, Enzo Amore? Well, I just thought to myself, one of us has to be the next John Cena. And if he isn't, we're f So somebody is going to be. Why not me? Why not me? I don't understand what anyone else is thinking about here. If it's not that one thing, because I don't ever walk through the door. I didn't make it to the NFL. There was physical attributes that I could not ascertain. Some racism involved with being a white cornerback. Okay. But I know that when you get out of college football, the odds are slim to none. When you can only control the controllable and it still doesn't get you where you want to be. You know what I mean? That, that there's, a, there's a certain aspect of pro wrestling that really allows the performer to go out there and become the thing that he wants to be. You can do that thing here in pro wrestling. And I realized that it didn't matter how much I bench pressed. It didn't matter how I looked. It didn't matter how much I ran that summer or what kind of shape I was in because that matters on the football field. And if you beat me on this play because you worked out harder than me this summer, I got to live with that. You're going to run all over me all game, okay? No, I would never let that be me. I would outwork you. I would work so hard so that that would never be in my brain that you outworked me this summer, you outlifted me, you outran me, therefore you beat me on this play. If you beat me on this play, it's because you deserve to beat me on that play because you're more athletic, you're a better football player, or you got lucky. But I'm going to get up and give it a go, and I'm never going to have a shadow of doubt in my mind that it was because I didn't work hard enough. Well, now I realize in pro wrestling that it doesn't matter how much I bench press, it doesn't matter how much I run, it doesn't matter how good I look, it doesn't matter. They're not going to let you win. They're not going to let you get on the card if you don't know how to wrestle or you don't know how to work on the microphone or be different or stand out and be a star. So I just realized, holy it doesn't matter. I need to put my eggs in this basket, not the body guy basket, not be the best athlete, not do a 450 off the top rope, not try to have a 10, 10 star match. No, if I put my eggs in the basket of working harder than everyone under this roof at promo material, then I guarantee you I will be good at it. What's a life worth living if you work so hard for one thing and you never achieve it? F that. I refuse that. So if I work so hard at promos, but guys, there's no such thing as luck. You hear that ovation? You hear that, Sami Zayn? Do you hear how they're reacting for him? Do you hear that? That's not luck, guys. That's a guy working his right. ass off. No one worked harder than me in the performance center at promos. No one. I was doing it all day, every day. It was annoying to be around me. I was like Jim Carrey 
rehearsing for his role as Lloyd and Dumb and Dumber. I was in the mirror all day making facials. I read a script that says, well, what do we have here? And I go, well, what do we have over here? It says, how are you? I go, hey, dumb. You know, <laughs> it's just how do you get there? By working yes. at it. That is not a coincidence. So if you're a young wrestler and you want to be great at this thing, you could be, the, you could be better than me. Just work harder than me. I was going to ask you, and uh, <laughs> I'll be interested to hear your reaction. Did you catch at all Max Caster's rap before the acclaimed faced uh, Lee Moriarty and your former partner, Big Bill, where you referenced the SAWFT? I enjoy Max. I think he's, he's very creative. And, uh, Man, just, uh, hey, listen, I've got... If you, if you can answer it without the language, too. <laughs> if you've got a microphone and you're on television, I have nothing but love for you. I hope you kill it. I don't care who you are, you know? And um, I didn't hear it. I don't know what you're talking about. He, they said soft on w, on uh, AEW. It was when he was doing a rap before he faced Moriarty and Big Bill. And it, the, the rap ended with him saying, spelling S-A-W-F-T and Big Bill kind of actually cracking up. Well, can Big Bill say it too and make money off of it? Yeah, right. But, well, uh, we leave it on the table here, boy. Leave the yeah. money on the table, man. Let Big Cass say Let Big Bill say that um, No, I didn't see it, man. Uh, you know, there's like guys, uh, I, get, I get tweeted in compared to MJF all the time. And it's like, Look, go do your thing and be great, man. Be great. Go ahead and be great. People are always going to compare you to other people who are great. And when you get to that point, great. Good for you, bro. Like, I'm not mad about it. Why would I have – you think that I would sit around in my day in life with all I got going on for one – I don't watch AEW. Like, no offense. I'm not mad at them. I'm, I'm just like, I got too much – I'm a grown-ass man, bro. If you got time to watch – all the wrestling on TV, man. I hope you're making money off of it. I hope you're talking to me like this guy is on the on the. You know what I mean? Like, um, I I just don't watch uh, the current product. I love pro wrestling, so I will go back and watch things that I know or people I'm interested in matches. Maybe I've never seen, and there's hundreds of matches that you've never seen. Thousands. In all over the world, the different promotions, and I enjoy. I have a I have a library, and I can just bust it down. So why am I going to go watch a new match? For one, it would probably hurt my heart. It would probably make me want to go out there and do it. And that's not anyone. That's just me. Like if I'm watching somebody wrestle, like I'm gonna, I, I can't watch it. I'm so sorry. Like it's gonna, f like it's it, it's a f vision. I don't see it the way you guys see it. So I'm just looking at different things and it would probably eat me alive because if you can do it better than me, then you do it. Well, f I can, but I'm over here. You know what I'm saying? Right. So it's like, I just, I just don't watch current product. My apologies to anybody, but I know what goes on and I have a serious satellite radio when I'm driving and I'll put on busted open and I'll listen to things and I'm on top of the pulse. Uh, you know, when, when it comes to microphone work, ask me, I'm the best in the world. I'm the best. No one can f with me. I'll eat you a new a I'll f you up. There's all the bad language you asked for. Um, my apologies. <laughs> all right. We're, we're going to move on to something we call the three count now. It's going to be three quick questions and your answers. Uh, first one, if you could go head-to-head -head on the mic with anyone in wrestling history who you never did, who would it be and why? Uh, the Rock. The Rock. Dwayne Johnson. Uh, because... 
I think that um, I think he was so over that, and he still is, and and that's what it really boils down to. If you're the if you're the most over, like then you're going to elicit the greatest reactions in the ring. So why would I want to work against anybody else but the most, the biggest star this business has ever seen? And uh, you know, let it be known. You know, he took a rider with him from the WWE straight to Hollywood. All right. Dwayne will go out and tell you that he didn't invent all of his catchphrases. Yep. He will tell you he didn't he didn't come up with all the stuff he said either. And he had great writers like Vince Russo. Well, I'll be damned if I ever say anything anybody else writes besides me. Right. And you know how hard I fought? Do you know how hard I had to fight to say the words coming out of my mouth? I bet. I, I know how, That's what you call how structured it is. And, and it's interesting, too. Brian Gewertz, uh, the writer who he brought with him, has actually been on this show twice. He's the only two-time guest we've ever had. Um, and, you know, it, it's interesting how well they gel. Like, they, they just – he knows what The Rock – he knows what Dwayne is looking for. Yeah. So, it's great. I was in the WWE with Big Cass. We had a writer we loved to work with named Ryan Ward, who I believe right. writes Raw now. Um, but he started up with NXT, and he's the guy actually who made me repeat, my name is Enzo Amore, I'm a certified G bona fide stud, you can't teach that. And Big Cassie, seven foot tall, and you can't teach that. Bada boom, those guys don't know how you're doing. Well, I was like, dude, I don't want to say the same thing every time because I have so much I want to say. I have so much written, I need to say this stuff. And they're like, no, him and Big Cass are like, no, 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 you're saying that same thing over and over. Well, thank God he made me do it. <laughs> and and you were able to fit other things in there, too. So uh, second question, what's currently on your uh, music playlist? Um, oh, man. I'm, uh, that's a hard question. I'm, I listen to a lot of Rolling Stones. Uh, I've been listening to lately the Lumineers. Um, I listen to... Um, damn Drake, uh, his his album with Twenty One Savage, um, and I've been listening to a lot of the oldies, man, like Otis Redding and uh, Bill Withers, Nina Simone, uh, Bob Dylan, the Beatles, just it, it, the classics, man. I, I have a I have a wide palette, but I have some new music that I made, a song called Hacksaw uh, that came out like three, four weeks ago. Uh, If you don't know, somebody tried to break into Hacksaw Jim Duggan's house, and Hacksaw Jim Duggan pulled a forty-four cal pistol on him and made him spread eagle on his front lawn and detained him until the police showed up. So I made a song about it. It's called Hacksaw, and it's awesome. So make sure you listen to that one, my real one. And that I get from the sounds of Nashville. I spent a lot of time in Nashville over the summer working on my music, and there's some new music that will be coming out that I made there, including this new track, Kenny, that just came out today. Excellent. And then last question, what is the best part for you of being a famous pro wrestler? Um, You know what the best part about it? uh, I would say – when I was on television, my, my grandma was still alive and she would watch me and she, I got her to come watch me in the front row at the Barclays Center. 
and that was it. That was my moment of uh, I, I got thrown out of the ring by Cass in the NXT Brooklyn and thrown in the air. And I, as I'm diving over the top rope, I have a picture of me pointing at her. And she was sitting right in the front row. And she passed away. But those those moments, they're gone. Like, she's never going to be there again, which is very sad, right? But, but, I am entering a new stage in my life and in my career where I have a goddaughter who is now, she saw me wrestle in Madison Square Garden in my only title fight in Madison Square Garden. And I made my sister, my brother-in-law, and my parents bring her. I was like, she's, I don't care if she's three or four years old. I don't care. I need the pictures of her being here. We, we need to, her to know that she was here. And she still kind of remembers some of it. But my goddaughter is like seven or eight years old now. Well, she'll be eight, March 21st. And so here I am at a crossroads again where I really, I'm like, I, I want to do it for my family like I did it before. The last time I did it, I wanted to do it for grandma. I wanted, my grandma had 17 grandkids and, and then had 18 more. So she had 34, 35 grandkids when she, when she passed away. 35, a real matriarch. And of all of those grandchildren, of all of those, I'm the only one who ever made it in entertainment. And to be on television um, was just like, like I did it for her. And like I did it. And I told everybody I was going to do it. And I did it. And I'm just, I was so beside myself to have those moments. When she passed away, I was so, actually the day she passed away, I got a phone call to do Madison Square Garden for Ring of Honor in New Japan, which is crazy because it was like she passed away and then she went and answered my prayer that very day. Um, but then now here I am and I've got a goddaughter who I can be on TV and she's at the age now where the kids in her grade are getting into wrestling. And it's like, oh, like I got to make my way back on TV. And here I am on Reels Channel and my little goddaughter can now tune in and watch me wrestle again and the kids in her grade. And we got action figures coming out with MLW. So it's a cool time to be me again in that regard. My favorite part about the wrestling is doing it for my family and my friends and my fans. Um, take yourself out of the equation when you do stuff like that. Because if you try to do it for yourself or, or please yourself in the matter or worry about what people are saying and the haters and stuff, you're just going to, you're just going to, you know, just try to find those people that really appreciate you doing it and do it for them. All right. Great stuff. Well, congratulations on everything you've uh, you've done and you've accomplished and will. Um, it's been a real pleasure to, to follow your career um, as a fan, um, you know, in, especially in this area in New York, too. So uh, real one. Thank you very much uh, for joining me today on Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. You can check him out on Major League Wrestling Tuesdays at 10 on Reels. You can check out his music, Real One, on social media. Thank you very much. Yo, thank you so much, and sorry about those F-bombs. It came when I got fired up talking about how I'm the best in the world and talking on the microphone. All right, take it easy. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks again, everyone, for joining me today on Under the Ring Pro Wrestling Conversations. I want to thank Real One for being the guest today. I also want to thank Sean Graben from MLW, as well as Jared St. Laurent and Court Bauer for the appearance today. Join us right back here next week where my guest is an all-time great in pro wrestling all around the world, the Hall of Famer Medusa. She has a new book coming out this month written with the great Greg Oliver. I have a ton of respect for Medusa and everything she's accomplished in and out of the ring and is continuing to accomplish. So uh, please check that out and have a great week, everyone. Everyone.